Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers, brought to you by Watch Your Game. In this series, I aim to explore the minds of people working in the Web3 gaming industry. For more Web3 gaming, live play, interviews, and reviews, check out watchyourgame.com. Game with a three. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hello everyone. Today we are talking to Cheng Lu, founder of Paladins Down. So Cheng, welcome. And could you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Yeah, sure. Happy to. And thanks for having me on, Yes, both. Um, so my backstory is uh, I was a software engineer for a number of years. Then I jumped into e-commerce. And then from e-commerce, I kind of just found out about NFTs one day and I was hooked, um, got into crypto in like 2020 through NFTs and um, I did a stint at Shima Capital as uh, the head of gaming there. And then from there, um, I started Paladin Style, which is what I've been working on for the last uh, five months now. And it's a DAO of uh, esports enthusiasts and Web3 gaming enthusiasts who uh, come from a lot of different backgrounds, but one thing we have in common is that we all want to see uh, some version of Web3 esports uh, come together. And in terms of the kind of transition through the various bits of crypto and into sort of the esports with Web3 and Paladins, why, what, what made that so attractive to you? Why did you think that Paladins was needed? What kind of brought that to your, your mind when founding it? Well, I was a VC, right? So I knew that tons of money had been deployed into games. And I also knew that the next logical conclusion is that, you know, products were going to come out and there was going to be much more of a culture around Web3 games than what people knew at the time, right? Like, and I think there's just a lagging indicator of like funded projects. So you know, you'll see like a $20 million round, but you won't actually see the results of that till like two or three years later, even right when they publicly launch. So I just knew that more culture was coming. And I figured that esports was also this industry that had a lot of, you know, brand recognition, but was not like fully established or rather it's too established because it had established itself to the point where Everyone agreed that the model was a little bit broken and it could, you know, get reinvented. And as part of that kind of reinvention, why choose to do Paladins as a DAO? Um, I mean, a lot of reasons. One was like, I figured that the best people to build this with would not necessarily be people that I already knew. Uh, it might be people that I don't know. So I wanted to give those people a way to join, you know, and build it together. Another reason is, you know, I found that in crypto, like there's a million different projects, right? And, uh, you know, you get pulled this way and that. And many times, like people just get pulled in a lot of different directions. And I knew that the only way to like keep people focused on one mission would probably be some kind of on-chain like buy-in. So I figured that the way that we attract the people who care about this mission the most, want to put some skin in the game and want to like stay engaged on-chain would, would probably be through like a DAO. 
where they purchase the NFT. And the the idea of the purchasing of the NFT, I I liked the way that Paladins did it. I so I, I think I'm Paladin number fifty four, but I was trying to pick one up from number forty, and you were releasing one a day. So even after I'd picked mine, it took us another like fifty days to get the full Paladins. Why kind of choose that method of releasing them? Um couple reasons like one is like it helps manage like supply and demand much better i think it looks bad if you put a project out there like if we had put all 100 lives and then maybe 10 people bought it um i mean the natural question would be like where are the other 90 people right so it gives you like a buffer to like develop the plan to build it it's it's very like forgiving if you do one a day and then the other reason is like you know, when I forged Paladin's DAO, I didn't really know very much about esports. I mean, I had talked to some people in esports. I had talked to a lot of gaming founders, but I wouldn't say I knew like what the solution to esports would be. So I wanted to give all of us like time to figure that out. And so one a day kind of allowed us to evolve the narrative and every step of the way, like, okay, say we're, oh, we're leaning more in this direction. Well, there's still like 40 more membership slots to go. Uh, does anyone know somebody who could handle that? Then let's try to bring them into the DAO. So just gave us flexibility in terms of delivering product, but then also flexibility in terms of, uh, you know, recruiting members and building the culture together. I definitely like the idea of uh, not getting stunned by the fact that you release them all at once and there's not that appetite just yet. Because I know mine... I found it entirely through word of mouth through a couple of people I already knew um, in the gaming industry and they'd started getting one and then I saw another person got one. I was like, oh, I'll have to have to keep an eye out. Uh, and then I started bidding on a few. A couple I, I, I skipped because I was like, oh, I want a different looking one. Uh, but after that, it was pretty much constant. And I know I got into a bit of a bidding war with one of the founders of Nemots uh, and I searched his wallet afterwards and... Uh, but no, it's good good people to be in the bidding war with to try try and get one. So I managed to pick one up kind of in the end. Um, right. And so you mentioned that you didn't have as much experience in esports, but I'm guessing that you were already very keen on gaming. So before we go a bit more down the gaming route, what game have you played the most in your life? Uh, it's definitely going to be Dota which I think is surprising to people who know uh, who played with me before. But yeah, I played tons and tons of Dota. Um, and I played since college, so like over 13 years. Uh, and then after that, I would say probably Warcraft 3. Or uh, I used to play a lot of like text-based games too, like back in the day. So that's kind of my background. And Warhammer as well. I love Warhammer. That's a good spread of games, and I think definitely with uh, picking up a couple of different ver varieties, you get to see more in terms of how they handle any competitive side of of gaming. Did you have you were you much into watching any of the esports tournaments or any of that? Um, I never watched like <clears throat> I guess what people call tier one esports. I never watched like Dota or League or stuff like that too much um I, I watched dota one esports uh a bit 
but not Dota 2 esports. And then um, what I kind of preferred was like Hearthstone. I liked uh, trading card esports because I felt like it was like easier to watch for some reason. It's just like easier to follow what was going on. Um, yeah. I only get that. I think one of the difficulties I always had trying to watch it, so I did League for a long time and I didn't, I watched streamers, but every time I tried to watch the competitive, I didn't, I wasn't very good. So I didn't really know whether what they were doing was good or not. Like, so right. the commentators would be telling you what's going on. And I was like, I'm not sure. But recently, I got very into Pokemon Unite uh, and I've watched uh, there, there's a channel that streams every game regardless of region. And I've been, watching those religiously uh and i think it's because i kind of know what's going on this time definitely definitely helps to understand the sport as you as you're watching it um but kind of looking to the near future to start with for for paladins around uh, esports and just gaming in general what are the next kind of things that you'd like to see paladins moving into and getting involved with in the space um I mean, so we have the Creator Cup, uh, you know, tentatively titled Creator Cup uh, that will hopefully be announced by the time this podcast goes live. Uh, so sometime in the next week or so. Um, you know, I'm very excited about that. It's basically the thesis is that, you know, Creator League was a good idea, but it should be done with a Web3 native audience rather than trying to use it as a tool to onboard users. Uh, you know, we should just do it ourselves as a community. So very excited about that. That's going to be good fun. And then I think after that, it's just a just a question of really broadening the IP, you know, uh, making Paladins as a brand more and more visually uh, distinct and showing people like, you know, if you're fans of the Paladins brand, this is the style of entertainment to expect. So I think refining our like visual, I guess, language and like the type of experience that people should have when they watch one of our events. And when looking at kind of spreading the word of Paladins, is it going to be mainly Web3, only Web3, or are you just gaming and regardless of whether it's Web3 or Web2? Yeah, so when we first started it, I was pretty vocal about wanting to just appeal to web two gamers you know i was like let's do like fortnite competitions or let's like find like roblox streamers or let's you know put together a farlight team i was very adamant that the volume was with web two game fans and so that's the community that we should reach out to um but as time goes on like i've kind of well so first of all like <clears throat> as a web three project you basically have no advantage at all in distributing to Web2 gamers. Just basically none, right? Like, they don't care. <laughs> so I kind of learned that the hard way, which was like, okay, your brand might be impressive to you and it might be impressive to the other people in the NFT space, but it means pretty much nothing to, like, a Web2 user. And unless you want to commit a lot of money and resources and time and, like, effort, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle to gain that kind of web two gamer recognition and so what i realized was it was easier to start with like art direct networks basically and work with you know other web three gaming communities or nft communities that we have relationships with and build the recognition there 
I think that's a great point. I think Web 2's got people, but it's also got a lot of other people trying to do kind of similar. So using the people who've already joined into Paladins and what they're building, so I know that there's quite a lot of games within the a DAO, is definitely a, a great kind of step forward to make sure that you've already got a bit of a, an advantage and a leg up rather than just starting from zero in terms of trying to build out that that player base. And when you kind of look across uh, the the games that are currently available, what do you think is the biggest challenge for Web3 games in general, but then also someone, a project such as Paladins that's trying to kind of promote more competitive and esports side with the games that are available right now? So what, what's the question? So in terms of when you... I'll, I'll split into two questions, probably easier. That in, when you look across all of Web3 games right now, what do you think is the biggest challenge that the majority are facing? Um, hmm. The biggest challenge that the majority of them are facing, it's it's probably just like trying to figure out for them where to dedicate their resources. I think that's been a challenge for Web3 games, you know, on the one hand, they really want to build a user base of Web3 gamers to hang out in their Discord, you know, engage with their NFT ecosystems, uh, develop tournaments for them. They 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 want that, but it's a very uh, it's a very difficult space to acquire users in Web3, right? Uh, nobody really knows how to reliably push a button and make Web3 users appear. Uh, or that person would be very wealthy. And so uh, you see a lot of games just now like kind of struggling with that. It's like, well, do we dedicate more resources? Do we hire more community managers? Do we do more like outreach with KOLs? Or do we just go and spend our money on Facebook ads and, you know, TikTok influencers go purely web too? Because even though, you know, those users are not what we got into the space for, well, at least we know how to reach them and at least we know that they are customers. Like if we put them in our game, they will spend money on like microtransactions. And with that as a risk, do, do you see organizations like Paladins or Guilds being able to help with that? Because I've always found it a little weird in Web3 that every project has a Discord and I must be in about 200 at this point. Whereas for Web2 games, I was in a discord with friends and then we played a variety of games i was never really in a discord specifically for one game so how do you see that playing out well yeah so so obviously there's like saturation of like projects and their discords and twitters it's because like you know in order to drive people to stay engaged with your game you need to build an emotional connection with them they need to feel connected to other people playing the game so they have to kind of force that by creating the discords. I think Paladins can help on this. And this is something I think about a lot because, you know, and I talk about this all the time, but but basically, like, if you, if you want to drive people to engage with your game's NFT ecosystem, you need, like, a trusted voice, right? You need somebody whose community trusts them. Like, trust is the biggest thing because... It's kind of like a pretty big leap of faith to go and spend 
you know, $800 on like somebody's Genesis pass when they just released their game. Like you just don't know do I want lifetime access to this game or not, you know? And so I think the way that Paladins wants to do this is just like <clears throat> basically build a lot of trust with our community by being super curated. You know, we started super curated with a hundred people only, right? Like we probably could have had more, probably could have minted twice that number, 200 or even 400, but it's just like we did 100 because it's like, well, this is how much I, I thought I could reliably like screen and like build trust with, right? And then basically everybody in there can bring in the people that they trust and that trust them. And, and I think just building a high level of trust within the Paladins brand that, you know, we're in it for the long haul. We're not cashing out on anything. Um, there's no liquidity, you know, to pull. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great point about the trusted voice, especially in a space that has a bit of a shady reputation externally that having somewhere that people can go to and see, well, these people have done this previously here is a great way of kind of making sure that some of that trust is transferred across to the games that they get involved with. And when yeah. you kind of look at it from that angle, so far there's been two... Um, tournaments through Paladins for Parallel and for Sky Strife. How do you go about deciding which games to get involved with in that way? So for Parallel, it was kind of just, honestly, like it was just me uh, deciding that. And I like kind of sponsored that myself. I didn't even ask for any funds or anything. I just felt like Parallel was this kind of thing that everyone was organically playing. And I felt like, okay, uh, that's something that I can probably... Yeah, so I just felt like everyone was organically playing it already. And so I wouldn't have to, you know, force anybody to go and pick it up just for a tournament, which I think has been a struggle for a lot of tournaments so far. Is like, you have to force these people to play a game that they weren't already playing, but everyone was already playing it. And so that's why I thought it was like a good choice. And then for Sky Strife, that one just kind of came up very suddenly. Um, there was three people in the DAO who were organizing it. They mentioned it to me. And then I saw it as an opportunity to work with them because they were they were pro gamers before, or one of them was a pro Counter-Strike gamer. And so he really understood esports, you know, at a deep level. And he said, uh, okay, we can bring you guys in as sponsors. And I just kind of helped them organize it. But I guess mostly the, the first two tournaments were, I guess, mostly started by me. Um, but then this most recent tournament, I'm happy to say, it's like working with like six other people. So a lot more hands on deck. And kind of looking to the future with other um, tournaments kind of in the in the idea banks, what, what can you learn from the tournaments that have been hosted or other tournaments that you've seen? within the space what can we learn yeah to do them uh maybe to get more engagement or do them clear yeah. in the next next ones uh okay so one the top thing that i've learned so far is like you know having a good shoutcaster having good like stream graphics it's like what people call production, like 
it's really important. I thought that it wasn't necessary, but it makes a world of difference and people really appreciate it. Maybe that's most of the reason they come to esports tournaments to see something a little more produced, right? It's like watching a movie on Netflix versus watching just a TV show. You get more like drama, I guess, or more pomp and circumstance. Uh, so that's one thing, just the production. And then another thing would be um, working with a game that already has very passionate players. I think that's like a key thing too. So when we saw Sky Strife, like we capped the tournament at 16 players, but there was like a wait list of like 40 or 50 because a lot of people wanted to play and they all knew each other. And so the community was like very tight. And I think if we had picked a game where, you know, for whatever reason, there's not that type of a community, I don't think it would have even been worth it, to be honest. So, yeah, I think the community and looking at how excited they are really matters. And kind of going beyond the tournaments, there's already some Paladins teams in the works. What teams are there for Paladins and how do you see that? progressing in the future yeah it's an interesting one um so right now i wouldn't say there's any active teams in motion there's just been teams that we talked about doing so we we had we actually have an opportunity i guess to pick up a dota team because we did the nadcl with peter and then you know he kind of offered to introduce us to more players that that would want to put a team together so that option was there and then um, we wanted to do a Farlight team. We wanted to, you know, we've been talking to uh, someone about making a Rainbow Six team. Right now, it seems like what might be the most, like, possible thing is we we might actually probably make a Web3 esports team. And what that looks like, I don't know yet. But it's just, it's kind of following the trend, right? It's like, let's work with our network, not, like, against it, basically. Yeah, I think sort of sourcing from inside is definitely going to be easier because they've already shown interest in what Paladins are doing by getting a Paladin. So I think that's a a good point to be be looking through. And now that we we've touched a little bit on looking onto the future, but if you had to put your kind of far future glasses on, say even just a year's time, what would you like to be seeing within? Web3 in general, but how Paladins is kind of helping facilitate that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so a year from now, Web3 in general, I mean, it would be very exciting for like Web3 gaming to be a bigger community for lots of people to be engaging with each other, maybe even more DAOs, right? More esports DAOs, more gaming DAOs. Um, that would be exciting to see too. Right now, I feel like there's only like 10 gaming organizations, right? And in the future, a year from now, maybe there will be 50 and that would be pretty cool. Uh, and then in terms of Paladins, like, I mean, I want us to be like a very put together brand. I want, you know, for basically for us to develop our like internal capabilities out more so that there's like, uh, there's like, an esports team but then there's also people on hand like a tournaments team a partnerships team maybe a head of community team right so just like people to handle 
the different like skill sets that you might need to run a Web3 gaming organization and then finding people who want to help with each of those things. I think that'll be exciting and I think we're going to get to the point where we do start seeing a lot more people coming in, especially as games that we've seen, you know, teasing about being in development get closer to that released product that maybe isn't their final version, but it's good enough to start having more competitive play around. And I think even with some of the games we're already playing, they're starting to get to a point where having a tournament or a team makes sense because there's enough of a game, enough of an audience to to start looking into that. And Yeah, sure. And you mentioned kind of in your backstory, your journey towards Paladins. As you've been kind of touching different areas of Web3 until kind of ending up in Web3 gaming, what do you see in terms of the difference around the mentality of Web3 gaming or the the vibe of Web3 gaming compared to other areas of Web3 that you might have been involved in? Hmm, that is a great question. So you're basically asking like, what's the difference between the different communities in crypto? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that like in the gaming community for Web3, people are... Well, for one, I would say they're less toxic for sure. I mean, maybe like if you haven't been around crypto, you would think that like people can be toxic, but I mean, it gets much more toxic in different communities, right? Like if you go from the DeFi community, I'd say it can be a little toxic. People are very mercenary. They, they scam. There's like huge scams and like, you know, giant hacks and stuff like that. That hasn't really happened in Web3 Gaming, so I think everybody is still very fresh and very like happy, especially this like latest generation. Uh, just the vibes are pretty positive. Uh, and then I would say like they also just genuinely care a lot about gaming. Like if you look at uh, maybe NFTs or DeFi, I mean, everyone just genuinely cares about something, but the Web3 Gaming community seems to care a lot about gaming as an industry. So there's kind of this like direct tie-in to like a, a existing industry. Whereas like the other communities, they there's not as much of a direct industry tie-in. Like for example, DeFi, you don't get like, you know, the head of JP Morgan or or, or like Chase Bank or like, you know, Citibank's like executive director doesn't pop into a Twitter spaces. But you do get that in, in Web3 Gaming. Like, you know, you could see the head of, of Square Enix or something on a Twitter spaces because they're interested in exploring it more. So I would say there's just a lot more like direct industry tie-in for, for Web3 Gaming and also just a lot of overlap with people who probably don't care that much about crypto and just are excited to see something new happen in gaming. And... We see it quite often, people wanting to drop their Web Zero life and almost move fully into Web 3. For anyone looking to start working in Web 3 and maybe more specifically Web 3 gaming, would you have any tips on what they'd need to be doing? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. I, I think that in general, it can be a little difficult because 
I mean, everybody knows, I think, broadly, like, what those games want. They they kind of just want people who are really well-connected and can introduce them to more connections in crypto because if they are a Web3 gaming company, they probably have the gaming part of it handled. They probably don't need many people to, like, you know, give them game design help or give them, like, game feedback help or you know, anything related to the actual game, they probably just need people to introduce them to more people in crypto. But then it's like the crypto industry is so small that, you know, even though you can spend a lot of time like networking with people, those are the same people that the people who run the game could probably meet as well. It's not that hard to scroll through you know, went through gaming Twitter and figure out everyone that you would want to connect to in like a month or so, right? So the lifespan of, uh, I guess, a Web3 gaming BD person uh, is is it's not that broad. It's mostly partnership management and stuff like that. So it's hard to bring, I think, like real tangible value to your employer if it's just BD. So my recommendation is generally like, you know, increase your leverage basically. Like, how do you increase your leverage? Well, you can start a podcast like like you're doing, right? That's good leverage because it's a product and you get to connect with people who not everyone gets to connect with. Um, I think podcast is good. Communities are good. Launching your own project is, is pretty good, although it takes a lot more work. Uh, yeah, so I think just generally increasing your leverage for like, you know, to differentiate yourself because if it's just sending Twitter DMs or sending LinkedIn DMs. Well, you know, basically anyone could do that. So you need to find some way to differentiate your your reach or your access. I, th- I think that's great advice. Um, and I think it's advice that some projects might even need to differentiate oneself. So <laughs> it's definitely, definitely worth everyone considering. And then for anyone who wants to hear more about your thoughts on the space, what you're up to, as well as Paladins, where's the best place to find you? Uh, probably Twitter, uh, OX Changlu. That's my handle. And I just tweet on there all the time. <laughs> Dictates on <laughs> <to> Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's been great talking to you as part of the podcast. I obviously, as a paladin, will be keeping up to date with how paladins progress and getting involved and seeing how the tournaments and the space in general comes along. But yeah. thanks for coming on. My pleasure. It was a great conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more insights into the world of Web3 Gaming. And if you need to experience more Web3 Gaming content, check out whatsyourgame.com. Game with a three. And remember to look for games that you enjoy. And I'll see you next time.